Hello young activists and welcome to Activating Youth Activism. My name is Sophia Masilo and I will be your host on this episode as I speak to my guests about the Russian and Ukrainian war. Stay tuned, grab a friend, listen in and find out how we as young activists can get involved and how it affects us sitting here in South Africa. That's Activating Youth Activism. Don't forget to share and follow us on Instagram and other social medias. Please introduce yourself to our listeners, who you are and what you do. Okay, my name is Luan Fanana. I am from Stacksbridge in the Eastern Cape. And I am, I am an activist. I am doing activism work and I also regard myself as a researcher. Yeah, that's what I do. Okay, thank you. And right now, globally, I think a lot of us are seeing what's happening on international waters particularly in Europe with Russia and Ukraine. And this particular episode, we'll be discussing the Russian and Ukrainian war, because I think a lot of people have questions as to how it started and what's going on there. So I'd really just like to thank you once again for joining us here on Activating Youth Activism to discuss this very important topic. Um, The first question that I'd like to ask you is, if you could please run us through the history between Russia and Ukraine that led us to the point of a war? Oh, okay. So on my own understanding or on the literature that I have consulted up to this far, uh, it, it, all, it is all based on ideological uh, doing of things, right? Mm-hmm. So as, as we all know that uh, back in the days, we, we had the USSR, right? Yes. And it, 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 it did, the USSR did not utilize colonialism like the Western countries. So what they did instead, they just expanded the territories that is attached to the Russian territory. Okay. Yes, and then uh, on the Western side, what they did, they traveled like a lot of kilometers and colonized people that they do not have any link with. So the current war is based on Russia trying to push back the Western uh, proxies that are coming towards their landmark. And what the Western world does is that, or let me say what the USA and its allies does is that uh, immediately when uh, any of the USSR uh, pro countries or previous pro countries, when they collapse, they come in as either as UN or either as World Bank or any of those uh, USA attached uh, entities, right? And then the most thing that they do, they they open up uh, military bases. Now, the Russians are trying to fight that, that they are trying to fight having a foreign national base on their doorstep. On on the other side, you can also say that the Western world have been dominating ideologically. Now, what they do, they are targeting the pro-Russian previous territories or those countries that were folding under the USSR. 
So in a way, they're trying to insult the Russians to let them know that the system that they are using as governance, it's failing. And, uh, and then uh, what do you call it? It's, uh, the, and, and then the free market is taking over. Or, or you can also attach the fact that during the Syrian war, the Russians came uh, to, to rescue the uh, president of Syria at the time, and then it, they, it was not successful, right? So what happened also is that a Russian aircraft that was moving for Syria from Croatia was gunned down. And then the Russians were blaming NATO for it, and then NATO denied it. Also, the war is also based on the annexation of Crimea back, uh, I think back in, uh, I think it's in 2011. Uh, the Russians used Crimea as their military base. And then when Ukraine, uh, not got independent, but when Ukraine started to formulate ties with the NATO and the Western world, they, they now had to push Russia out of Crimea. So that war is also based on landmark, is based on trying to deny the Western world to have their military bases near the Russian borders. And the most is ideology, which is communism against capitalism. And during this war, we've seen a lot of NATO um, being part of the situation more so on Ukrainian side. What exactly is NATO's involvement in this particular war? Okay, so the Western world, they formulated NATO based on, uh, on, on military assistance or military allies. But what they did is they wanted the world to know that they have a military alliance that can conquer anyone. And then what they do as NATO Immediately when you allow them to come in, in within your country or your borders, they start establishing military bases. And based on how you, how the domestic politics are based, if for instance, uh, domestic politics are, are not in favor of NATO, and then they will just leave those weapons there and establish a terrorist group, so they say. So could one say that NATO is part of the problem in further creating this war? Or is there a way where NATO is trying to be a mediator in this war? NATO will never be a mediator. NATO, NATO it's, it's a problem. NATO is also a problem for us in Africa, for instance, because NATO is attached to the World Bank, to the IMF, to the ICC. All those uh, institutions that were established based on the United States expansion, they, they, they just come off last as something good, but in a true essence, they are not. Okay, so quickly moving away from the historical part of NATO's involvement, when we're looking at the proceedings of the war, there was a certain issue concerning racism within the Ukraine during this time. Could you please give us your reflection on what happened? Okay, so what we we, we uh, were exposed to the racism it's, it's something that has have always been with them. And what they do, they, they just use the skin color 
especially during the war. Now, we, we can attest that the, the European countries or people that are living in Europe, they are, yes, they, they just, they are racist in a way. So it's not something new, it's something that you already knew. And those people who went to Ukraine, they have been exposed to racism ever since they arrived in Ukraine. At this point in the war, could we say which side is the right side or the wrong side, especially pertaining to South African diplomacy? Yeah, that's a very good question because most of us as young people, we, we, we do not normally engage on such uh, deep questions, right? So it will need us to look at our constitution and see if the constitution, the principles that formulated the constitution or that make the constitution to be what it is. Are they socialist principles or are they capitalist principles? And then if we know that it will be easy for us to, to, to know which side is right or which side is wrong based on who we are as, the, as South Africa. Frankly, where does South Africa stand within the war? I don't see how South Africa is involved or where it can stand in the war. We just have to sit back and watch uh, either capital crushing communism or communism crushing capital. And as far as I am concerned, or what I think is that the NATO or the Western countries, what they want is to actually reach the Northern orders of China. And for them to do that, they have to go through Russia. So what is now happening, it's, it's more like pushing back or shrinking the Russian landmark. And uh, I also think that for us as South Africans, we, I know that we have ties in the West, we have also ties in, in the Eastern Bloc, which is the communist bloc. Now we, we just, or, or rather, it is based on who is leading South Africa on which of the two is prominent at that particular time. So for now, I, I think that capital is, is, uh, is the site that South Africa is now within. But also, we, we know that we have a lot of foreign uh, investment that is coming from either China or Russia or India, or rather all of those BRICS countries. And from your analytical opinion, how do you see the war ending? Yes, the war will end. Uh, the war is not going to end to an extent that uh, it's no longer taking place like what, like what we presumably think apartheid happened with us. So that war is going to last for years because Russia is going to fight back for its landmark and NATO is going to push Russia to, to shrink its landmark because what they're targeting is the northern part of China, it's northern borders of China. So it will not end unless I also think that the talks will continue as they have now started in, in, in Turkey. They will continue, but if you, you, you have been following the news, the, the Russians 
are now in a stage whereby they want to know who is with them and who is with who is not with them. And also, based on the UN Security Council, you we, we know we know that uh, the council is having like five permanent members which are having veto powers. And if you carefully look at those five countries, you will notice that about two of them, which is Russia and China, which having veto powers uh, uh, are utilizing communism as their base of policy. And five of the other, and three of the other five, which is France, England, and the USA, they using capitalism as their base of their policies. So most countries that participate in the Security Council, they either, they, they just have to choose side. It's either you support the Russians or, or the Eastern Bloc or the Western Bloc. Do you see this playing out as a second version of the Cold War? I think Cold War never ended. So it's a continuation of the Cold War, but now it just ruptured. So also remember that this, powerful countries, they, they use uh, military manufacturing as, as their source of their GDP. So if you cut down that uh, manufacturing of weapons, then their GDP, uh, uh, their GDP becomes low or it becomes weaker than it was. So in, in an essence, they, they also use war to create employment. Okay. And I mean, currently we're seeing a lot of inflation going up. We're seeing the price of petrol going up and a lot of sanctions being placed on the Russian economy. What does this mean, especially the war on a bigger scale? What does this mean for South Africans, specifically young South Africans economically? Um, I, 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 I cannot really link what does that mean for South Africans economically. But what I know is that the Russian currency have been, uh, have been weak for quite some time now. And it is being boosted by the export of those natural gases. So what the West, what the West now have done, they have sanctioned Russians or they just do not want to purchase anything that is coming from Russia. And that it's, it's, a, it's a limitation on Russians because uh, they, they, Russians, remember, do not have gold reserves as we are, as we have in in Africa, and currency is based on 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 how many reserves, uh, gold reserves, do you have, or rather, currency is determined by gold reserves. So, for us in in in, in South Africa, uh, it will for for it to be relevant, it will need us to be radical. It will need us to know that as South Africans, we do not have a national bank. So it means that the, the, our currency is, is, is determined by, by private banks. And we do not know how do they do that because they do not disclose such information. A lot of people would say that the United Nations, especially the Security Council, has put a lot more sense of urgency towards the Russian-Ukrainian war versus the attention that they've given towards the Middle East in regards to the Palestinian and um, Iranian conflict. What would you say about that? 
It's, it's true and it's a fact. In the Middle East, the Middle East is having a lot of oil reserves, crude oil and, and the, the other oils. And they also against the religion that is being, is being adopted by uh, the Islamic religion. They against it because what the West do not want is, it's an alien space. What they do not understand, they crush it. So if you do not follow them, you are against them. So uh, the war between Palestine and Israel, for instance, we, we all know that if, from the 1960s, now the Israeli lands has been expanding and the Palestinian lands have been shrinking. And because the West is not really uh, interested on the Palestinians or because the Palestinians don't have much uh, underground that they want. So anything that if, if if any country is, is, is not having what they want, so they do not care what happens to that particular country. And also we have to know that Israel was established so that they can get control of the Middle East because they knew that there is a lot of oil or money in the Middle East. And if we look now at the war in, 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 uh, in Ukraine, we know that Ukraine is having a lot of resources, of natural resources underground. And immediately after this current president of Ukraine took power, me, myself, I knew that that guy is going to look to the Western side because he is young, he understands what democracy is. He, he wanted to be relevant to the West. And then I also knew that the Russians will not allow that because they signed a, a treaty, I think in 1991, that says in whatever happens, Ukraine will remain an extension of Russia. So if we look at, at that angle, then it's easy for us to, to analyze why is the uh, media or these institutions, these Western institutions are, are fully supporting what is going on in Ukraine than what happened in the Middle East. Thank you so much, Londo, for that insight. I think because a lot of people are viewing what's happening and are not understanding how the sense of urgency towards what's happening in the West triumphs what happens in the Middle East. So I really appreciate that insight. Overall, I really appreciate you being involved in activating youth activism and giving us an insight on the entire Russian and Ukrainian war. Um, before we do end off, I would like to ask you, for fellow activists as well, what are your final remarks, especially for young South African activists who also want to see themselves becoming researchers as well? Okay, so, you know, we, we have a serious problem in South Africa when it relates to activism because many people associated with political work, right? Of which uh, it's, it's not that accurate. Yeah, to some people it's the same thing, but it's not the same thing. So I would say to young South Africans, they have to do research on their own and not listen to what the media say only because media most of the time is, is perpetuated to uh, what do you say, to, to, to give out a certain 
uh, way of doing things or yeah, in, in just in that manner. So we have to study, we have to read, we have to question, we have to have like debates, we have to have more platforms like what you have just given me so that we, 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 we speak about these things. And so it will also assist us moving forward in the near future so that whenever we do foreign policy, we know exactly who our enemies are and where do we stand as a, as a nation, as a South African nation. And also we, we ought to understand that the world is, it does not have like a singular way of doing things. The multiplicity of doing things is what may, makes the world to be great. Thank you so much, London. Thank you for joining us on Activating Youth Activism.